Hey, if you're new to River West, uh, my name is Mike, Mike Self, and uh, I'm the pastor of Family Life, which means I get to oversee our children's ministry, student ministry, dads and men. That's kind of my umbrella. And I love the role uh, that I get to play. But if I'm really honest, it's, this is what I'm most excited about. It's the opportunities I get to spend with dads, whether it just be in a training thing like this, or if it's a father-daughter camp or father-son camp. Uh, that's what I really love uh, the most. So again, guys, so glad that you're here. I uh, just want to hit you with a few announcements before we get started. Um, the next opportunity we'll have to gather, this is not just for men, I would encourage you to invite your wife as well, but uh, there's a series that I do, I call it Mission-Minded Parenting. Uh, this is kind of part three in that series. And we're going to be looking at um, parents, okay, the role that we play in our children's sports, okay? It's parents and youth sports, okay? The good, the bad, and the ugly of that. Because largely, I think a lot of us, I can speak for myself, I have blown it, and I don't want to blow it, all right? We think we've made an idol out of youth sports, but I think there's something really important. Um, there's some great things about youth sports. There's a role that we play in that, so I want to tackle that, look at that. And that's going to be on uh, April 7th. That's a Sunday night. Uh, actually, we'll be meeting downstairs in room 112, but uh, just talking about parents and youth sports. And then we've got uh, our next men's breakfast is on May 25th, and uh, Dr. Carl Kaluza will be sharing at that. If you know Carl... It's going to be great, all right? It'll be a little bit different probably, but it'll be great. Um, he's going to be talking about uh, this kind of spiritual act of worship, just honoring God with our bodies. And he wants to talk about just exercise, sex, food, drink, and he's looking for a discussion among that too. So that should be awesome. That is on May 25th. And uh, we have our father-daughter uh, weekend together, our father-daughter retreat. Uh, there's some postcards on there. That registration is now open. That's the first weekend in May, May 3rd through 5th. If you've got a daughter that would uh, like to do that, that's for kindergarten through fifth grade. And I know we're talking a lot about dads of daughter stuff, but just you, if you have a son, just know in November, November 9th, we have uh, a, a similar breakfast just like this, but I'll be talking to dads who, who have boys. All right? And this is the importance of your role as it relates to raising godly good men. So anyway, lots of opportunities. There's also a postcard on your table with other men's events that we have coming up. So please take that with you. Um, I'm going to pray for us and then we're going we're gonna to dive in. Father, thank you again for this morning, uh, for the chance to talk about something so important, uh, to talk about our role as dads and as it means, as it relates to just uh, who we are to our daughters. Um, help us to make the most of this time. Help us to grow. Help us to learn. Um, help us to be equipped, challenged, in this time, um, Father, knowing that our daughters are precious and so valuable, and there's so much um, just depending on that role that we play. So I pray that this could be an encouraging time for all of us. Uh, Father, I ask that you would speak through me. Give me your words um, that I might honor you, uh, our great Heavenly Father, as I share today. And I pray this in the power of your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. Um, so guys, I'm glad you're here. Um, really glad you're here. I want to kick us off with this quote. Um, I think this quote is from a book. Um, it's awesome. It's called uh, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters by Meg Meeker. It says, men, good men, we need you. We, mothers, daughters, and sisters, need your help to raise healthy young women. We need every ounce of your masculine courage and wit you own because fathers, more than anyone else, Set the course for a daughter's life. Your daughter needs the best of who you are, your strength, your courage, your intelligence, and your fearlessness. She needs your empathy, assertiveness, and self-confidence. She needs you. 
Hey guys, you are the most important person in your daughter's life, okay? It's not her friends, it's not her peer group, it's not social media, um, it's not parents, I mean, I'm sorry, it's not coaches, uh, it's not teachers, it's, it's you. It's, it's not even her mom, all right? All the research shows that. And obviously your, the, 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 your, your wife, your daughter's mom plays a huge role, all right? I'm not discounting that by any means, but all the statistics, all the research says it's you. It comes down to you. Let me just give you a sample, okay, of some of the things that I've read on this. It says, girls who are close to their fathers exhibit less anxiety and withdrawn behavior. Girls with doting fathers are more assertive. Daughters who perceive that their fathers care a lot about them, who feel connected to their fathers, have significantly fewer suicide attempts and fewer instances of body dissatisfaction, depression, low self-esteem, substance abuse, and unhealthy weight. A daughter's self-esteem is best predicted by her father's physical affection. Girls with good fathers are less likely to flaunt themselves to seek male attention. 76% of teen girls said that their fathers influenced their decision on whether they should become sexually active. Kids do better academically if their fathers establish rules and exhibit affection. Okay. I think we probably all know that on some level. That's why you're here, because you get it. You see that your role is really important. And I originally did a, a very similar talk to this one, um, but it was almost five years ago. My plan was to do this kind of every other year, all right, just to kind of catch dads up and to examine our, the role that we play. I cannot believe that it's already been that long. Okay. But I think it's so important that we talk about what this looks like um, as being a good dad. And there's kind of five sources I'm pulling from for this particular talk. Number one, um, I have surveyed over 400 women, uh, mostly women in our church, uh, 400 women, and asking them about what their relationship was like when they were growing up, their relationship with their dad when they were growing up. And their responses were incredible. Um, and some of them were just heartbreaking. I mean, I wept as I read some of these just because of the disconnect between these, these women and their dads. And then some were amazing, all right? They're just in inspiring. Like I'm thinking, yeah, that's the kind of dad that I want to be. And the reason I have 400 surveys is because these women, they, they want to help another generation of dads, either to, 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 to carry on a wonderful legacy or to right or wrong, all right, to, to to do a better job than their dads did. So that is a gift that we have. Over 400 women chimed in on that. Um, books, I read a lot. I already referenced that book by Dr. Meg Meeker. If you're looking for just one good book on what it means to be a good dad to a daughter, that is the book that I would recommend. Also, I'm just in constant communication with just different women on this topic because I think it's fascinating, all right, learning from their perspective what it meant to be, you know, to grow up with a dad who was like this or who was like this. Um, also, I've, I've been working with, with families for a really long time now, you know, as a camp director, as a youth pastor, as a family life pastor. You know, for 25 years now, I've been involved in the lives of other families, and, I, and I've seen a lot. You know, it's the good, the bad, the hard, the beautiful, all right? So I'm going to bring that to the table, too. And also, um, I have a daughter. I have a daughter, all right? Her name is Maddie. She's 18, all right? She's a high school senior at West Lynn. That's hard for me to fathom. Actually, this is my family. And a lot of you guys probably already know Kathleen. She teaches downstairs. That's my wife, Kathleen. That's my son, Mason. Um, the big milestone in our house this year is he is now officially taller than me. Um, he's 15. He's a sophomore at West Lynn. And then Maddie, my 18-year-old. There's one other picture, too, because this, this kind of blows my mind. This is Maddie 
Hey, Brandon, can you hit one more slide? Little ballerina Maddie, okay, in her backyard, in her tutu, when she was like three or four, all right? Now she is 18 years old, and that is freaking me out. All right? I cannot believe, and it's such a cliche to say it, but how fast the time goes by, okay? And I wanted to, and I want to continue to, just make the most of the time that I have with my daughter. Some of you guys have really young daughters. It's going to go by fast, okay? Um, one big difference, though, all right, between the last time I gave this talk and today is now my daughter has a boyfriend, uh, a very serious boyfriend. They've been dating for over a year and a half now. Uh, her, his name is Grant. Uh, his dad is here somewhere. There's John. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. And Grant is a great guy. He is a great guy. I just want to make sure that's, I'm getting that out there on the front end now. Um, but I want to talk about dating because that's super important as well. So... All the stuff, okay, those five different areas, okay, from the books to the interactions to the surveys, okay, I've kind of taken all that data, put it together in kind of three big headings for us, okay? These are the three areas that we have to master, we have to own, all right? And this all speaks to our legacy as a dad, all right? So your legacy is determined by how well you love, how well you lead, and how well you live, Okay, I know those are big categories, but we're going to break all those down. And I'm going to talk fast, all right? Because there's so much I want to get out there. I, I talk quickly anyway. Uh, this is being recorded if you want to go back and listen to the podcast. But I encourage you to take notes, but I'm going to rush through this. I'm going to move with purpose. Number one, your legacy is determined by how well you love, all right? And don't dismiss that as obvious, okay? It is so so vitally important that your daughter knows that you love her. Um, you have to tell her and you have to show her. I want you to consider a couple of these quotes. These are from women in our church. I longed for my father to say, I love you or hug me. I felt sad, hurt, and alone. To this day, I grieve my childhood without the nurturing and love of an earthly father. I became a pleaser thinking this was the way I could get his love, and it didn't work. Okay, here's another quote. My dad never said the words, I love you, or hold me on his lap, but he gave me time one-on-one. -on -one. I always knew I was safe, but not hearing the words, I love you, made me doubt. And one more. My dad helped me keep records of sales when I sold Girl Scout cookies when I was 10 to 11 years old. This is probably the only time I felt that he cared about me. So that's really sad, all right? So your ability to communicate love to your daughter is huge. One of the most important things you could ever do. And it is in words and it is in actions. And it's not what you are more comfortable with. She needs both. You don't get to pick one or the other. She needs both. And do not rely on your wife to be the translator, okay? And I heard this a lot too. Well, I, I never heard it from my, from my dad, but my mom was always really quick to say, well, yeah, yeah, of course your dad loves you. Okay, lead out the middleman. She needs to hear it directly from you. All right, here's what the surveys, this is what I got from the surveys. When a girl knows that she is loved by her father, these are the words that she, they use to describe. They feel safe, affirmed, secure, special, important, Valuable, confident, proud, respected, 
and cherished. Okay, beautiful, beautiful words. When a girl does not know that she's loved, these are the words that she used to describe herself. Fragile, lonely, insecure, invisible, and worthless. And that's really sad. And here's, here's the dark truth. If your daughter does not feel loved by you, if she is not secure in that love, she will go looking for it in all the wrong places for the rest of her life. Okay, it's up to you. Um, so many girls I've talked to, just, you know, just women now, but looking back on some of their college experiences, you know, some of the decisions that they made, poor decisions that they made, they would bring it back to kind of the wounds of the father, where they're seeking things in the wrong places, knowing that there was a void that needed to be filled, all right? They, they weren't confident. They weren't feeling affirmed or secure or special or important, but they wanted to so desperately, so they were seeking it out in, in all the wrong places. So I'm going to give you kind of five things, five things. That this, this is what your, your daughter wants to hear, what she needs to hear. Number one, it's the words, I love you, okay? They, all the time, not just on special occasions, okay, but it's all the time, there should never be any question. There never should be any doubt, all right? It needs to be also, make sure it's that unconditional love, all right? If you, she only hears it when she's done something really, really good, then she's going to tie that in like, my dad loves me because I did this. She needs to know you love her because she's yours, all right? That's it, all right? And, and also, this is something, I know I've shared this in, in other, uh, other breakfasts too, but like in our family we have, we call it the I love you squeeze, and this started when my kids were in their, in their um, car seats in the car. I'd be driving along, and I would just reach back so I could grab a leg, and I would give three squeezes. I love you. I still do that. Um, three squeezes on the shoulder means I love you. And I will never forget this. This is one of those really wonderful dad moments. This actually was with my son. It was like the first day of school. I can't remember now if it was first grade or second grade, whatever it was, but I was waiting at the bus stop. And I love my son. My heart's bursting for my son. He's about to start a new school year. That can be kind of daunting. I didn't want to embarrass him in front of his friends, but I had my hands on his shoulders, like right before he got on the bus. And I just went, I love you. Didn't say it, but just did the three squeezes. He stepped up into the bus and he turns around and he goes, I love you too, dad. I'll never forget that. All right. Take that one. Use that. I love you squeezes. Okay. Number two, your daughter needs to know she needs to hear you say it. You are beautiful. All right, we'll come back to that in a second. But she needs to know that you think she is beautiful. Number three, I'm proud of you. And again, not for anything necessarily that she has done. All right, you don't tell her, oh, I'm so proud of you just because she scored, you know, the, 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 the winning goal, okay, at a soccer game. All right, or she brings home straight A's. That's not the only time you'd ever say, I'm proud of you. you need, she needs to know you're, you're proud of her because she's yours, all right? She's your precious gift. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of you. Um, and also to pick up and, and compliment her on those things when you see just her character shine, all right? Wow, I'm really proud of you for taking a stand in that situation because that was really hard, especially if your friends were thinking that and you did that. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Um, number four, I'm praying for you. All right, if you pray for your kids, I mean, don't just say it. I hope you're doing it. But like that speaks volumes. That shows love and concern. Hey, Maddie, I'm praying for you today. I know you have three huge tests. I'm praying for you. Um, and then number five, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know if you grew up in a home where your parents apologized to you. I, I did not. 
I, I don't, the only apology I ever remember getting was from my dad when I was in, almost graduating from college, and it floored me. I mean, it was a powerful moment. I'd never heard my dad say, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry before, but when, you're going to blow it. We're all going to blow it. But to take ownership of that, for your daughter to hear that, that's love, okay? I'm, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Um, so obviously, verbally, you want to communicate all these things, but something else, just leave notes around. Write little, little notes, leave them on the pillow. You know, it's a tradition I have. You know, I started doing it just with my wife, and now I do it with my kids. Every time I travel, I leave a note behind, you know, let my kids know how much I love them. I'm praying for them, thinking about them. Good luck in your lacrosse game, whatever it is. If I'm going to miss out on something, I want to acknowledge that. Um, sometimes I just get a big dry erase marker, and I'll write something really big on their mirror. You know, I love you. Um, just other fun ways you can kind of communicate your love for your daughter. Text them in the middle of the day. Just give them a text. Let them know that you're, you're, you're thinking about them. A um, couple things to avoid. Number one, just do not be critical of her appearance. Even in a joking way, do not make fun of your daughter all right, for being too skinny or too fat or whatever it is. I remember hearing a dad say, you know, honey, you'd be really beautiful if you didn't have such big, crazy hair. All right, like that girl, I scarred her, all right? And right off the bat, I was like, I cannot believe you would say something like that. I had friends, um, uh, her name was Mita. The nickname that her dad had for her was Lut, L-U-T. Her older sister's nickname was Butt, B-U-T, and it stood for Little Ugly Thing and Big Ugly Thing. We could do better than that. All right, those are some of the saddest terms of endearment I've ever heard. And they hated it. But and lut. All right, we can do better. All right, so just don't criticize the appearance, um, even if you're making a joke about it. One of the questions I asked um, the, 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 the women was, if you could go back in time to when you were growing up, what would, what would you want to tell your father? All right, and here's what one woman said. Please tell me that I'm pretty and valued. I need your affirmation. Your approval means more to me than anyone's. And the things you say shape a lifetime of how I feel about myself. One time I asked my dad if I was pretty. He stared at me for a beat and said, you're fine. He wanted to be accurate. I needed to know that I measured up. That sting has lasted a whole lifetime. Okay. And one last thing, too, on this, just don't compare to siblings. Like the words, I wish you were more like your sister, should never come out of your mouth. Okay? Or, oh, I wish you were an athlete like your brother. Or, I wish, I wish, I wish, if you're comparing to siblings, it just doesn't work. Remember, your daughter is one of a kind, all right? Precious and unique in the eyes of God. And you have been, as her dad, now placed in a role to steward who she is, to bring out her best, to encourage her when she's at her worst, all right, to love her for who she is. The comparison game does not work, okay? So words are huge. Your words matter. Don't discount your words. But in addition to words, um, you know, there's some other things that we need to be doing too. I'll give you five things too that communicate love. One is this physical affection, okay? Hugging your daughter, kissing your daughter. Of course, all appropriately, super important. And it's probably, for you guys who have young kids, like it's probably really natural and easy to hug and kiss and hold your daughter. She probably jumps up on your lap. Cherish those times. Those are really important. Um, it's beautiful. You know, there's safety 
in your lap. There's safety in the embrace of a dad, all right? You're instilling masculine love to her, and that's really powerful. But what so often what happens is, as your daughters start to develop, you know, dads start pulling back. Like, oh, she probably doesn't want me to give her a hug anymore or, or, or a kiss on the cheek. So dads start kind of pulling back, thinking my daughter needs space. In her mind, nothing's changed. You're still her dad. She still wants to give you a hug. That's still really important to her. She wants a kiss on the forehead or a kiss on the cheek. She wants you to wrap her up. If you start pulling away, she starts thinking, well, what's wrong with me? My dad used to do this. Why isn't he doing that anymore? Don't stop. If your daughter is 15 years old and she wants you to give her a piggyback ride, you give her a piggyback ride, all right? Don't, don't pull back. All right, that's really important. That physical affection is so important. Number two, another way to communicate love is just in how well you listen. Listening to your daughter. And it starts when she's really, really young. And that can be mind-numbing, okay? That could be torture. I get it. My daughter, she has this incredible memory, all right? And she had zero ability to ever to abbreviate anything. If she just saw a movie... She would want to tell me line by line everything that happened in that movie. It was excruciating. I couldn't stand it. But she wanted to tell me. I'm like, Mike, stay in there. Stay in there. Listen. Okay? I mean, all those Disney Disney princess movies, it takes a toll, okay, after a while. But that was what was so important to her at the time. And she wanted to tell me that. And what you're doing is when you're listening when she's young, all right, if you're not pushing her off then, she knows that she can come to you later, okay? You know, it's, it's Disney princess movies, and then eventually it's, it's hard, real stuff. So you're earning major points, major dad points when you're a good listener when she's young. And I recognize that could be really challenging, very difficult, all right? But it pays off in the future. Also, number three, another way to communicate love is showing an interest in the things that she's interested in. Again, you might not have any interest in it at all, but if she's into it, you need to be into it, okay, to listen, to participate, to, to be involved around that. Um, you know, showing up at her games or her recitals or school events. You know, some of you, I'm sure a lot of you guys have coached sports. I mean, all that is fantastic. You know, that even falls into the category of just, you know, driving her places. She needs to get to a friend's house. You offer to drive. Also, that's a great one-on-one time in the car. Um, but just what's important to her needs to be important to you, all right, showing an interest in those things. Um, and number four, you know, it's just it's helping with homework, which I suck at. I am the worst. I'm so thankful I married a woman who used to be a teacher. She is great. Kathleen is awesome. I have never been great with helping with homework. Um, but one thing I've done is I've taken a real interest in all the things related to school that Maddie is involved in. And, and, and guys, don't just make it about the grades. Don't show an interest when the, the report cards come out. You know, it's taking an interest in those, those class projects, the assignments, the big reports, the papers, whatever it is. You know, I read, I read the Twilight series because Maddie read the Twilight series, okay? I read the Hunger Games because Maddie read the Hunger Games, all right? It, it, Harry Potter, it was important to her. I want to be able to talk to her about it. That's part of her world. It became a part of my world, okay? And then number five, another way to communicate love is just that, it's that one-on-one time. One-on-one time with your daughter. And that's easy to do when she's young because she doesn't have a lot going on. It's easy. And I have recognized the older my daughter has gotten, the worse I have become at just spending significant time just with her. I think we have done a really good job spending time together as a family, 
And that's really important. But as I was reviewing my notes for this, I was like, oh my gosh, Mike, you have really blown it in this area. So it led to a great conversation I had with Maddie related to this idea of just she and I spending more one-on-one time together. Um, you know, it's asking her, what, what does she want to do? All right, and then doing those things. It, it just shows, again, your love for her, that you're willing to carve out time for her and to engage her in that way. You know, that's one reason why we create these opportunities at River West. You know, a lot of you guys, you're here at the father-daughter dance, all right? Your daughters live for that. They love that. You know, we'll do it again next year. The first weekend in May, you know, that's our father-daughter retreat. You know, that's just a wonderful time to spend uh, with, with your daughter, okay? Um, also, just, you know, loving her means you, you, you got to know her. You got to know your daughter. This is a, the, the litmus test. I call it the, the birthday test, okay? When your daughter's birthday rolls around, do you know what she wants for her birthday? Do you have any idea what she's into? Like, could you go out and purchase a gift that she would love and receive? Or do you totally depend on your wife to do all that, okay? Do you know the birthday test? Um, knowing what your daughter's, her likes, her dislikes, who her friends are, all those things uh, are super important. Um, some of you guys, I'm sure, are familiar with the book, The Five Love Languages um, by Gary Chapman. These are the love languages, and it's written, and originally it was designed for you know, husbands and wives, but we all have a love language. You need to know what your daughter's love language is, okay? Words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, physical touch, what communicates love to your daughter? Where the problem is, usually we love in the way that we want to be loved, all right? My daughter, it's real, um, words of affirmation mean everything to her. So I got to make sure I'm really speaking positively into her life. I've also learned that kind of the opposite is true too. My, my words can be really hurtful. If I say something mean-spirited, I feel like it has double the weight because she so much craves the affirmation. Um, but let's say, you know, that's her love language, but maybe mine is receiving gifts. So if I'm just trying to give gifts to my daughter all the time, that wouldn't mean a lot to her. She needs to hear my words. So don't love in the language that you want to receive in. You want to love her in her, her way. Um, there's one other category. This is unique to our, well, not unique, but it's an important part of our family. One of the ways that we communicate love is just in the way that we joke around together. All right. It's playful teasing. We laugh all the time. All right. I love our, our conversations at the dinner table. We laugh. And part of that is because we just stick it to each other and it works in our family. Okay. This would not have worked in my family growing up. And I could not imagine saying some of the things to my dad um, that my kids will say to me. It's not disrespectful. It's, it's funny, but we kind of created this culture, the joking, teasing. Now let's give you one example where Maddie just, she got me. Um, you know, I have the opportunity in, here at River West, I do our parenting classes. It's called Grace-Based Parenting. And one morning when I was setting up uh, to set up the, the computer, of course, I couldn't get the computer to talk to the projector. I show these videos. It wasn't working. I was getting really frustrated. And meanwhile, Maddie is like running in and out, in and out. Hey, Dad, can I borrow your keys to get into your office? Hey, Dad, can I see your phone? You know, hey, Dad, have you seen Mom? I was getting really frustrated. I was getting shorter and shorter and shorter with my daughter. And the last thing she said to me as she was leaving the classroom, she looks back and goes, hey, dad, good luck in your grace-based parenting class. (laughs) It was genius. Her timing was impeccable. I laughed. I'm like, Maddie, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. All right. Now, had I said something like that to my dad? Oh, 
It would have been ugly, but it works for our family. Find what works for yours and then go with it. All right, I love this quote right here. It's not that my standards are too high. It's just that my daddy set an amazing example for how a man should treat me. Okay, no one should treat our daughters better than us. Okay, we set the standard. Um, I would encourage you to challenge you. Just I want you to be the man that your daughter would want to marry. Okay, because she has felt so loved in your words and your actions. Like she knows what it looks like to be loved. That you're the benchmark for that. You're the standard for that. That's who she should want to marry. Okay. So we got to crush it in that category. Okay, that's all about love. Number two, uh, the, the second area we must do well in is we got to lead. We have to lead well. All right, consider these quotes. When I was young, my father led by intimidation. But as he got older and his faith strengthened, he led by love. Love was far more powerful on the family and long-lasting and his legacy. My parents divorced when I was three. His direction was from afar, but real life happens every day. He needed to scare off a few yucky boys when I was in high school, but he wasn't around. I wish he would have set a standard for giving myself away. One more. In early childhood, my father was harsh, but he realized that he was being too harsh, and I have, uh, and I have a distinct memory of him seeing our pastor spending time in the Bible and repenting and asking for our forgiveness. It was different after that, an example of how we can change. I love that. That's incredible. Um, The Bible does not give a lot of specific direction to dads, okay? But here's where we really do get called out, okay, in two places. One is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children, Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Other translations say, do not provoke your children to wrath or anger. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. And Colossians 3.21 says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And the message translation says, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. That's the specific directions to dads in the scriptures. I don't know what that says about us, right? But I think Paul knows that's where we tend to lean. And sometimes we do it out of love, okay? We want what's good for our kids. We want to instruct them. We want to discipline them. We want to protect them. But we come down too hard on them. And that is, I think about the idea of just like, you're crushing someone, crushing someone's spirit. It's like that wild stallion that has to be tamed, All right, our words matter. And it's not just our words, okay, it's our words, but it's also the volume in which we use our words. And also it's the tone, okay? It's the volume, it's the tone, um, it's the words themselves. And I'm not a yeller, okay? I don't yell in my family, but I've got a dad tone that I've busted out, all right? And I'm not saying that's always a good thing. And sometimes I don't mean for there to be a tone, but there's a tone. And this has happened just recently. Um, and this actually broke my heart. Maddie was um, actually at, at Grant's house, at her boyfriend's house. And this is on one of the snow days. Like the, and, and she was fine. I knew she was over there. Everything was great and cool. And, but it's starting to snow. And we live in West Lynn up on a high hill. 
and they start closing some of the streets around our house. You can't go up the hills anymore. So I called her and said, hey, Matt, it's starting to snow. They closed our the, the, you know, hidden springs. You know, I'd like you to come home. You know, it was a real short conversation. I wasn't mad. I wasn't upset. I wasn't yelling or screaming or anything. But evidently, there was a tone in my voice that she picked up on. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't know it was there. It wasn't meant to be there. But I really hurt her. She thought I was mad at her. She came home so upset, and I couldn't understand it. Okay, I, that was, I, I exasperated my daughter. I had no intention of it, didn't even know that I had done it. Okay, so again, it's your words, it's your volume, it's your, it's your tone. We need to be building up our daughters, okay, not crushing them. Um, so when it comes to like leadership in the home, um, and this is not exclusive just to you, this is your wife as well, you know, as, as you're raising your kids, but this is my model that I've gone to. And I mean, I could spend hours on this. I'm just going to give you just like a little bitty snippet, just something to consider and to think about. Um, this comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, that's verse 1 through 4. And this is not directed to parents. It's actually directed to elders. All right? But I think there's a great principle here for, for parents. And it's this imagery of a shepherd overseeing a flock. Okay, so here's what 1 Peter says. This is 5 through 1 through 4. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That's, that's your children. That's you. It's your family. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Right, so that is a beautiful picture, okay? And again, it's meant for elders, but I think there's a principle there for us as dads to bring into our home. Um, we need to think like a shepherd. Think like a shepherd. If you're thinking like a shepherd, a shepherd guides the sheep. A shepherd comforts the sheep when they are hurting or fearful. The shepherd corrects the sheep when they wander astray. He protects from predators, okay? A good shepherd provides. That's what we as dads, okay, right there in a nutshell, that is our role, all right? How we should respond to our, for, for our kids. Um, and again, I don't have time to unpack all that, but this is the mindset, the, the model I have in my mind as a leader of my home, that's what it looks like. And when I go back to the surveys, it's really interesting, this topic on leadership related to, to the dads um, kind of falls into two, two categories. One is these, these young women saying, there was no leadership. There's just this huge leadership void. Or they would equate leadership with being a provider. Now, being a provider, super important, absolutely important, but that's only part of it, okay? So it's either a void or um, it was just being a provider. But here's the danger. I think so many men face this, is that we retreat, okay, when we get home. We give our best to everybody else, all right, in your, your work environment. Okay, you work hard. Uh, you give your best. You're involved with, you know, the lives of other people. There's conflict. There's things you have to overcome. And you come home and you're exhausted, and you give your families your leftovers, um, Parenting is exhausting. Parenting is incredibly challenging and difficult at every stage. Every stage. All right, how many of you guys are still in the diaper stage? You have kids in diapers, okay? I thought it would never end. It was brutal. 
I hated that stage, the sleepless night stage. It was so hard. All right, and they move out of that stage, but then there's a new stage. You know what? That stage is hard, right? New, there's new challenges. Having two teenagers in the house, challenges in a very different way, all right? Parenting is exhausting, and you have to keep your head in the game. It's not even your best here and giving your families whatever is left over, okay? I have done that before, and I have become so convicted about that. Your kids, your wife needs your best, and it's hard. I want you to consider this quote on fatigue, on just being tired. I love this quote. Fatigue is the price of leadership. Mediocrity is the price of never getting tired. Do you want to be a good dad or do you want to be a well-rested dad? All right. I don't think those two things, they're, they're mutually exclusive. Okay. Here's another quote. Here's a warning. Okay. We're going to be tired. You are tired. You're not the only one that's tired. If you've got kids, you're tired. Here's another quote from uh, Vince Lombardi. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. So we're going to be tired. I think about just the worst parenting decisions I've made have come out of fatigue. I'm just like, I'm in the game. My guard is up. I'm in it to win it. You get tired. You get worn down. You get beaten down. And you're like, okay, sure, fine. Yeah, you could go see that movie. All right, like, what was I thinking? Of course you shouldn't have seen that movie. All right, but it's easier just to be dismissive sometimes. So that's a warning. Fatigue makes cowards of us. I think about when we were in that diaper phase or that baby's phase and your baby's crying down the hall and you're like, I don't want to get up. I'll just lay here really, really still. All right, my wife will take care of that. If she thinks I'm sleeping, maybe she'll take care of it. Okay, that is cowardly. All right, fatigue makes cowards of us all. All right, so just as it relates to leadership, okay, I'll just give you a couple categories and things to think about that. One, you need to be a spiritual leader. If that is important to you, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, if that's important to you, well, then it needs to be important to your kids, to your daughter. You need to model what you believe. I grew up in a really confusing home where my, my dad was like, church is important. Um, so we'd go to church, but there was never any prayer in our house. There was never any spiritual discussions in our house. There was never opening the Bible together. You know, church was important, but I never saw how it related to day-to-day life. Yes, church is really important, but it's only one day of the week. You need to be championing your faith all the time. The, the, the most important way is just being a model. All right, again, if that's important to you, she needs to see you in God's word. She needs to see you praying. You need to be praying with her and for her. You know, we've done a bunch of different things throughout the years, you know, just from a devotional standpoint. The one thing we've done with great consistency is, you know, we, we pick a theme verse for the year, just one verse a year. And some families, like, they have a different verse every week. Okay, we, more power to you. All right, we do one verse a year. All right, we memorize it. We use it for teachable moments. We bring it back all the time. One verse a year. Um, we've done devotionals at the dinner table. We've done devotionals where the kids, as they got older, they were responsible for instructing us. Right, Maddie, you're on next week. You tell us what you're learning. You're reading the Bible. You tell us what you're learning. They would lead the family devotional. We've been all over the map on that. Sometimes we nail it. Sometimes we drop the ball. All right, praying for your kids. You're praying in the morning before they go to school. Praying at night before you go to bed. And uh, this is an area where, again, when they're really little, that's so easy to do, all right, because you're tucking them in, all right? You say a little prayer. It's really cute. Okay, now my kids, I, I, they are up hours later than I am. I'm in bed before my kids are in bed. And I don't pray with my kids at night as well as I used to, okay? I've become really convicted about that. Tyler Paulson and I were just talking about that. Don't let up. So there needs to be a spiritual leadership in your home for your daughter. Number two, and I'll just call this, this is just preparation when your daughter is not under your care anymore, when she's not under your roof. You know, when your little sheep grows up, 
and she's out on her own, um, have you prepared her for life? Or is she going off to college or starting that first job just you know, woefully ill-equipped you know, for life? You know, it's all the, it's the how to change a flat tire, okay? How to manage a credit card, how to open a checking account, how to manage a budget. Um, I thought this is interesting. One of the women said, I wish my dad would have taught me how to throw and catch. I've always felt like an athletic failure, okay? My daughter knows how to throw a spiral. Life skills, little, big, whatever. If she needs to know what it is, if she wants help with it, you help her or you find someone that can help her, okay? Preparation for life, equipping for life. And number three, you must be her protector. That's being a leader, okay? Protecting her physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, your little sheep needs protecting. One of the questions I asked if you go back in time was, if you can go back in time, what would you, what would you tell your dad? And this is what one woman said, please don't pull away from our relationship when I become a preteen. I need you to continue being my protector and a shoulder to cry on. I needed protection from a boy who molested me. I told my mom, who told my dad, but my dad never talked to me about it. His response was simply, boys will be boys. All right, so here's a guy that did not protect his daughter. All right, so what does protection look like? It starts with rules, rules in your home. They're there for her protection when she's really little, okay? And she needs to understand why those rules exist, all right? The rules get bigger as, as she gets older. Um, you know, there needs to be discipline. There needs to be boundaries. So often they might not appreciate it at the time, but they will later. I don't believe in the, because I said so, kind of mindset, all right? If there's a rule and my daughter didn't get it, I need to be able to give an explanation. Well, this is why you have a curfew, okay? This is why we want you to do this. This is why we don't do this. Explain, all right? Think about this. Rules, there's a, uh, we have a slide on this. Rules without relationship equals rebellion, Okay, all she will see you as you are the hammer. You are the enforcer. Remember, she needs to know that you love her, that you care about her. You're for her. The relationship is so important. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. Relationship without rules equals resentment. And that's what starts popping up later in life. Like, where was my dad when I needed him? I had one girl tell me, this is a girl I knew all through high school. You know, I still am involved with her now. She's, she's in her mid-20s. And I remember she came home after like her second year of college. And we met in my office. And she was just so broken down about her whole college experience. And she's like, Mike, I have no boundaries in my life. I grew up, she goes, I grew up with the cool parents. You know, I didn't have a curfew. My parents just let me do whatever I wanted to do. And at the time, I loved it. And... My friends thought my parents were so awesome, but now I'm like, ah, I really resent that. I don't have boundaries, okay? They need, your kids need, your daughters need boundaries. You know, rules for when she sleeps over at a friend's house. Um, does your daughter have a curfew, cell phone rules, texting rules, you know, internet rules. You know, call them guidelines if you don't like the word rules. But again, just for protection, to encourage, to promote something safe and good. Don't be afraid to be the bad guy. All right, you're the hero of the story, okay, as dad. And this one woman shared this example, and I love this. She talked about back when she was in high school, she was at a party, she was in way over her head, there's way too much drinking going on, she didn't feel safe, this is pre-cell phone, she didn't know what to do, she felt trapped. Out of nowhere, her dad just walks into the party, okay, just out of nowhere. And at first, she goes, I was mortified. Like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe my dad just showed up at this party. She was in high school. The second thought was, 
I have never been so happy to see my dad in my entire life. So she put up a big fit, but secretly she loved it. He walked in, grabbed his daughter, they left together. All right, she needed protection. He was a bad guy in that moment, but he was the hero. All right, I love that example. I love that story. All right, so that brings me to dating. Let's talk about dating. I don't know if you have dating rules in your house, but I'm going to tell you how we've done it in my family. And again, this is real time. Um, Here's a picture. This is Maddie and Grant, their senior formal. This is John's son, Grant. And again, Grant is a great guy. All right, I could not have asked for a better first experience for my daughter to date someone. Okay, it really has been positive. What's funny about that is I've used that before, and he's heard me say, hey, this has been a great first experience. And he actually took that as offensively, like, oh, because you think there's going to be a lot more experiences? <laughs> so not what I meant. All right? I'm very happy with how this whole thing has gone. But this is, how, this is the way we've done it in my family. Okay, but since my daughter was really young, she knew she could not date until she was 16. We started talking about that when she was five, just so she would have an idea in her mind. Hey, at 16, honey, then you'd be allowed to date. But here's how it's going to work. That boy asks you out. Then the first thing he's going to do is come to our home, and we're going to have a meal together. He's going to eat with the family. Okay, after dinner, he and I are going to have a little, co- a little talk, a little conversation. Okay, now when she was younger, she's like, Daddy, I love it, that's great. As the reality started to approach, she's like, oh my gosh, Dad, what if no one wants to ask me out because they know that you're going to do that? What does that say about that guy if he's not willing to have dinner with our family and sit down for a 15-minute conversation? Okay, and she's like, okay, I get that. So that was before she had a boyfriend. So then Grant shows up, and Grant, this is, I give him props, he asked me for permission to, to, to ask Maddie out. I love that. It happened here at church. He goes to church here. And I was like, Grant, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. But before you guys have that first date, uh, you're going to come over to our house. We're going to have dinner together as a family. And I'm going to want to talk to you about a couple of things. And he's like, sounds great. Okay. So now it's, this is in real time. This is reality. So as that's approaching, Maddie's like, Dad, oh my gosh, you're really going to do this? Like, okay, she goes, you get five minutes. You can talk to him for five minutes. And my response was, okay, honey, don't you think you are worth a 15-minute conversation? And she goes, all right, that's pretty good. All right, I'll give you 10 minutes, okay? <laughs> and it turned out to be more like 20 or 30, okay? And just because Grant was engaging me in this process. So I have been honing these, these kind of these three principles for 16 years. I've been waiting for this opportunity. So I had draft after draft after draft. I brought it down to three points, okay? Three things I wanted to communicate to this young man. Now, before I do that, let me ask you right now. When you guys were dating in high school, did any dad take an interest in you, okay, as, as the guy who was dating his daughter? Did anyone? Two, three? Okay. I didn't date a lot in high school. I think maybe I had two or three girlfriends, but not one single dad ever took an interest in me. And even at that time, I remember thinking, this is weird, all right? I was a punk. I needed someone to sit me down and remind me how important this man's daughter was. It never happened. I didn't even really give the dad any credit, didn't, even, didn't see him as an important role at all. All right, so dad, if you love your daughter, you need to sit down with a guy that's interested in dating her. So this is, this is the, the conversation, you know, the three points. Number one, I said, you know, Grant, I expect you to protect her. You know, I am her protector, but I am entrusting her to your care. You're taking her out. I want you to be conscious of how you're driving. I want you to be conscious of where you're taking her. 
you need to have my daughter's best interest in mind. Does she feel safe when she is with you? You need to be her protector. And not just in actions, but in your words too. Are you using words that are going to be building her up? Or are these words going to be tearing her down? I, I want you to, to protect her. I want you to be a gentleman. You know, and, I, and my daughter knows what this point is. And she's like, Dad, I don't need that. I don't need to protect her. My, she's very strong-willed. And I'm like, you might not think that, but I feel a lot better if this young man has that mindset, okay? One, protect her. Number two, honor her. You need to honor her. And I said this, I go, Grant, there's two options, basically, all right? You're either going to break up at some point if you begin a dating relationship, or you're going to get married. Those are the two options. Have you ever looked at it that way? Either you break up or you get married. And I know that might sound a little heavy-handed. They haven't been out on their first date yet. But I was like, but those are the options, okay? Chances are, Grant, you are going to be dating someone else's future wife. So I want you to honor Maddie for her sake, for your sake, and for her future husband's sake. And if you begin a dating relationship, we'll have another conversation about this. Um, But I, I said, I want you to date without regrets. I don't want there to be any shame associated with your relationship with my daughter for her or for you. So when I see you on a Sunday morning, having known you took my daughter out on a Saturday night, I want you to be able to look me straight in the eye and tell me exactly what you guys did, all right? If you see, I said this, I said, if you see Pastor Jeff, the youth pastor, if Jeff says, hey, what'd you guys do last night? I want you to be able to tell him everything you did without feeling like you have to leave anything out because it's shameful, all right? Number one, protect. Number two, honor. Um, And then number three, and this is, I go, Grant, this is for you specifically. I want you to pursue Christ. And that has nothing to do with my daughter. I don't want my daughter to be a distraction to you in your relationship with Christ, all right? I want you to be in God's word. I want you praying. I want you to continue serving at church. I don't want you ditching any responsibilities that you have just so you can spend more time with Maddie. And I go, here's the best part about that, Grant. If you're doing those things, guess what? That will make you a better boyfriend. It'll make you a better man. All right, there's this wonderful trickle down. If you focus on Christ first, you bring all that into every aspect of your relationship with Maddie and anywhere else too, okay? So for your sake, all right, don't let Maddie be a distraction. Now, you might be thinking, okay, what if the boy is not a Christian, okay? I would have asked him, like, you know, do you go to church? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, all right? If not, I'd share the gospel right then and there. Um, I would ask him, you know, what's important to you? What are, what are your guiding principles in your life? Okay, the decisions that you make, you know, what, what are they rooted in? I would have really fleshed that out more and more. And this is not like, I'm not trying to, embar- I wouldn't try to embarrass Grant, I wouldn't try to embarrass anybody. But again, these are important things. And also, by the way, guys, this is not the time to pull out your gun collection, okay? All right, don't be a caricature. It's way bigger than that. You want conviction. You don't need props, all right? Just one-on-one, eye-to-eye, man-to-man. Um, and if I was concerned that this potential boyfriend um, did not have my daughter's best interest in mind, then I would have made it a priority to spend more time with him, okay? And say, so, you know what? Hey, you guys, I would have waited to see where things, not after the first date, but if the relationship would have been formed, then I would say, hey, you know what, Grant? Hey, let's get together for coffee every other week. I'd like to talk to you more about this, all right? And just kind of just met with him. I have not needed to do that, all right? Because I trust Grant. I know who he is. He loves my daughter, all right? And that's a beautiful thing, and it is a really hard thing. I'm being completely honest here. I had no idea how hard this would be for me to see my daughter in a dating relationship. 
And it's nothing against Grant. And I have told him as much. I said, Grant, I, I need grace. I am having a hard time with this, not because it's you, but because it's me. Thank you for loving my daughter. Thank you for honoring my daughter. Thank you for protecting my daughter. We met about their one-year anniversary. They've been dating a year and a half now. Grant called the meeting. He wanted to go to lunch. Again, props to him. We sat down. He remembered the three points. And he gave me the update on the three points. All right? It was impressive. It was incredible. All right? It was also hard for me. And I can't fully even explain what that is. Um, But I don't treat... Grant like a son-in-law. We're not there yet. He's a good guy. He's dating my daughter. He's been, on, he's been skiing with us before. He hangs out at our house. We played board games. He's been over for dinner. We text from time to time on different things. You know, that's great, but I'm still kind of, there's a barrier. There's a gap. I'm, I'm holding him off a little bit. This is a way to see where this comes. Some families, they make the mistake of bringing the guy in way too much, all right? When they break up, it's a meltdown for the whole family. I know Maddie feels super comfortable at John's house, loves being over there, and that's great. I mean, that's important. That's good. I'm still just I'm holding it loosely, okay, to see where it goes. I asked Grant to extend me grace in that, and he has. And he has asked me to extend him grace as well. I gave him a fourth point, all right? So I had my three points. Here's my fourth point. The fourth point is don't be complacent, all right? Be diligent in these three points, but also... If you love my daughter the way you say you love my daughter, don't be complacent. Keep working on the relationship, okay? Keep building into her. Keep loving her. Keep serving her, all right? Don't be complacent. You know, they're at the point now, you know, where they're considering colleges. They're both high school seniors. They very well might end up in the same, same school, okay? I don't know. Um, and maybe this will run the distance. This will, you know, maybe they're not going to break up. I, I, don't, I don't know, all right? But I pray about it a lot. All right? So dating's big. It's going to happen whether you want it to or not. So that's my, my take on it. Uh, use it how you like. Um, let me give you one final quote on leadership. Um, I think we have a slide on this. All right. You can experience, I'm sorry, you can exercise and sustain personal leadership only to the extent of your capacity to bear pain. If you can bear only your own pain, then you can't really lead. What do you think about that? You have to be like, we're, we're all in pain. Life is hard. We all bear our own pain. But if you want to be a good leader, if you want to be a good husband, be a good, good dad, you have to be able to bear the pain of your family. Um, and that is hard. Your kids are going to break your heart. When they're in pain, you're in pain. Um, I remember this is, Maddie was in middle school, um, and she had an Instagram account. And it was, like a, it was a Friday night, and she was home, didn't have any plans. And she came in uh, to the living room where Kathleen and I were sitting, and she was just crying. She was so upset because, because of Instagram. She saw that there was a party taking place that she was not invited to. She could see all her friends at the party. She was not invited. And it broke her little heart. And guess what? It broke my heart. It broke my wife's heart. Like In that moment, I wanted to kill some little eighth-grade girl, okay? <laughs> it's, it's a place of pain, all right, and that's just one of many examples, all right? So I, I have to bear my own pain. I, I need to be willing to bear the pain of my children as well. And guys, don't retreat. I think there's such a temptation to, not behind alcohol, not behind your computers, okay? Not behind work. When you're home, fight to be fully present. And I really do believe it is a fight 
um, to engage, right, to be present. Um, one more quote on this. Was there anything you needed from your father and didn't receive? This woman wrote, sobriety. Toward the end of my teenage years, he was absent due to drinking. I desperately needed his love, time, and attention. In those years, when boyfriends broke my heart or girlfriends were unkind, um, you know, if a girl doesn't get attention and love from her dad, she will get it from another. Think about that, okay? Fight to stay present, engage, all right? So the third category, all right? And guys, we will be done on time, I promise. Third category is, is how you live. It's how you love, it's how you lead, it's how you live. Here's a quote. At my father's funeral, our eulogy was simple. We could only hope and pray that our children would, uh, would feel about us the way we felt about him. I love that. This one, I needed but didn't receive eye contact with loving words, conversations, hugs, time, and attention from my father. All this writing for your dad training has brought up a lot of old feelings and tears. I am still grieving at the age of 72. Okay, two very, very different quotes. Um, so simply put, how you live matters. And you might not think this is fair, all right, but your daughters are forming an opinion of their heavenly father based on the father that you are. Okay, so there's women in our church who think that their fathers, that their heavenly father is distant, unkind, unloving, harsh, and critical because that is who their earthly fathers were. Don't be that kind of dad. Your actions matter, your words matter. Um, you know, according to the surveys, um, kind of six things kind of came up repeatedly. You know, number one, um, just in the way that you live, you need to love your daughter's mom well. That's so crucial, that's so important, you know, to love her, to cherish her, to honor her. Um, you know, if there's a divorce situation, you still need to talk positively about her, uh, respect her. But that's how your daughter is going to see what marriage looks like. It's through your marriage. You know, Maddie has seen how Kathleen and I handle conflict. She's seen how we make decisions together. She sees that, um, you know, our, our physical affection for one another. Um, we're modeling that. How you love your daughter's mom is it, huge because your, your daughter is picking up on how a man should treat a woman. All right, so love your wife well. Um, bring your best to your family. I know we talked about that already, but bring your best to your family, not your leftovers. Your daughter is watching. Where do you come most alive? Do you come alive in the presence of your children and your family? Or do you come alive when you're at work? Or do you become alive when you're spending that weekend with your buddies, okay? Or before you go golf or mountain biking or whatever it is. Where are you most alive? Your daughter's going to pick up on that. Um, and I've been guilty in two ways. I've been guilty of that, not bringing my best to my family. One was when I was a young pastor. I mean, I, I loved my job. I was so dedicated to my job. I want to be the best pastor as, as, as I could. I was a youth pastor. I was spending so much time with everyone else's children and not my own. All right. My kids picked up on that. I did an incredible disservice to my kids. So I blew it. All right. Became really convicted about that. Another area where I blew it was just in my athletic pursuits. Okay. I was a triathlete. I was training a ton I was always gone, riding, biking, swimming. This time, I was not convicted, but my wife sat me down. And Kathleen very lovingly said, Mike, you are blowing it. You're blowing it with me, and you're blowing it with your daughter. This is before Mason was born. 
all right? Your priorities are, 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 are out of alignment. And by the grace of God, I received it. They were, okay? I was coming alive everywhere outside of my home and, and not in my home, okay? Um, the third thing, don't take yourself so seriously, all right? Laugh at yourself. Let your, be- let your personality come out with your kids. This made me really sad. This woman said, I remember hearing from other people that my dad was funny, the life of the party, but I never saw that side of him, okay? Your daughter wants your best, okay? Don't take yourself so seriously. Laugh, joke, play with your kids. Uh, The fourth thing, manage your anger. So many women are like, oh my gosh, I walked on eggshells around my dad all the times. I never knew what was gonna set him off. Remember, it's your words, it's the volume, it's the tone. Just be mindful of that. Manage your anger, all right? Fifth thing is, is uh, model a strong worth ethic, worth work ethic, all right? That's so important for your daughter to pick up on, that you work hard. If you expect her to work hard in her sports, work hard at learning how to play that instrument, work hard on those, those grades, she needs to see you work hard. For whatever reason, I grew up in a home where my dad, we, he never talked about work. It was like this thing that he disappeared to and then kind of would reappear from. But I think I would have benefited hearing from my dad's day-to-day kind of stuff. This was a challenge. This is how we overcame it. Or this is a personality conflict. Here's how we dealt with it. Okay? I wanted, you know, work hard. Work hard. Model that for your daughter. All right? That's how you live. And the last thing, and my kids absolutely love this, share your life. Share your stories with your kids. Okay? Obviously, age appropriately. But share your stories of success and failure because your stories, now that's part of her history. Um, My kids have heard us talk a million times about how Kathleen and I met, but they still want to hear it. They find security in that. They love that story. Um, They want to hear about what I was like when I was a sophomore in high school, okay, or a senior. Share those stories. Don't keep the past the past. Bring that up. Use it, all right? And and, and I think your your kids will will love that. so those are some areas that this related to living that are so important, but there's, this, there's a much darker area, okay? Um, you know, I don't know where you guys are at. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, I don't know if you are struggling with pornography. You know, I don't know if you're in a marriage where maybe the wife is being abusive to your children. I pray to God that none of you are abusing your own children. I don't know where you're at. All right, there is a darker, darker world. I'm not touching on those things, but if, if, if that's where you're at, please get help. Please get help. Those are the most horrific surveys that I read were of the dads who were abusing their daughters. So guys, get help. It's a, and it's a reality. It is a reality, all right? So that's a much darker world. If you need help, get it. Your daughter needs the best that you can be, all right? She deserves the best that you can be. All right, so here's how I'm going to close it out, guys. All right, this, we, we talked about how you love, how you lead, how you live. All this relates to, it's your legacy. This is what you're leaving behind, okay? It's your legacy, all right? So I want you to think about this. You know, two questions, two very sobering questions to consider. Number one, how would your daughter respond to a survey about your fatherhood? All right, what would she say? Do you have the courage to ask her, hey, how am I doing as a dad? I did this years ago. All right, Maddie, how am I doing as a dad? Dad, you're a great dad. I love you. You're an amazing dad. I'm like, well, Maddie, I'm not perfect. How have I let you down? How have I hurt you? I want you to think about that. And she goes, okay, I'll make a list. <laughs> so 
My daughter is a list maker. And so about a week later, we got together and she told me, dad, this is how I've been hurt by you. Oh my God, it was brutal. I hated hearing it. And I didn't know that I was even doing it. But I realized right then, all right, I got to do something about that. And what she hated was, um, you know, just the way I would joke around with her friends, like when her friends would come over. I mean, I was a youth pastor. I'm used to working with teenagers. I mean, that's the easy thing to do. Um, but she said it was really, I was embarrassing her. And like, I don't want to, well, sometimes I do want to embarrass my daughter. I mean, that's a, that's a dad's right. But in this circumstance, I was like, okay, I, this is hurting her. So if you do ask, how can I be a better dad? You can't get defensive. You can ask for clarification. You, you, you have to receive it, okay? But it's worth doing because that's going to point to your much longer lasting legacy. Um, and because I've been so convicted, I mean, just, if I'm talking in front of you guys about this, more recently, last week, I've had more conversations with Maddie. Like, Maddie, I think I've blown it in a couple of areas. You know, where have I hurt you? Where can I be a better dad? And this led to some good conversations, all right? So I encourage you to be bold enough to try that. And then number two, just something to think about. What will your daughter tell her future husband about how well you loved her? And this is probably, the, this is the high watermark, is, is, I already said this, is, is to be the dad, be the man that you would want your daughter to marry. Because you've loved her so well, she is looking for someone just like you. And I'm not talking about the little dislikes or likes or the little pet peeves, that kind of thing, but just big picture, you know, are you the kind of man that she would want to marry? Um, these women entrusted me with, their, with these surveys, okay? And they, they, they did that. They, they gave me what they gave me so I could pass it on to you, to a new generation of dads. So guys, I want to encourage you in two ways. You know, one, man, be in it to win it, okay? You're here now, that's a huge first step. And I'm sure you guys are doing awesome things, things well beyond things that I've, I've thought of, which is fantastic. But also, it's not just about your daughter, all right? Your daughter has friends whose dads are blowing it. All right, you can be a light to those girls to be a positive male influence in their lives by your words and your actions to encourage and to build up. Girls need it. They need it from their dads. If they're not going to get in it, you can fill that void. So I want to encourage you in that regard. Okay. Also, champion this. If you think this is important, make this a point to talk to other dads about. All right. Take these points and principles of whatever else. Have conversations about it. I would love to see more dads engage in this. This has been recorded. You can share the podcast with other dads that weren't here. All right, but I want you to champion this. Our, 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 daughters, our daughters deserve it. Um, so my goal today has been, I want to equip you. I want to challenge, I want to challenge you. All right, I want to encourage you. I hope I have done those things. I do not want, though, to make anyone feel guilty. All right? I don't want you feeling beat up. All right, if you're feeling that way, you can do a couple things about it. One, if you need to apologize to your daughter, apologize to your daughter. Okay, if I said something that sparked something in you and you're like, oh, gosh, I need to apologize to my wife, apologize. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm going to do better. Okay, apologize. That, that's huge. Also, remember, it, it's never too late to start. I know some of you guys have really young daughters. Some of you guys have daughters in high school and even some older daughters here. It's never too late right, to be a better dad. The, you, you haven't missed the bus, okay? You can still love and cherish and serve your daughter in wonderful ways, regardless of how old she is. It's not too late, okay? I'm going to leave you with this quote, final quote. This is also from the book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. Your daughters will view your time together vastly different than you do. 
Over the years, in erratic bursts and in simple, ordinary life together, she will absorb your influence. She will watch every move you make. She might not understand why you're happy or angry, dishonest or affectionate, but you will be the most important man in her life forever. Okay, hold on to that. Guys, thank you for coming this morning. I'm so glad you guys are here. We have a few more minutes. You know, I won't keep anyone late, I promise, but I'm more than welcome to answer some questions. If you don't have questions now, I'll be around and be discussed. Yep. Yeah. That's a, I'm glad you said that because I know some guys are like, oh, I can't prop that up because that's, that's, that's not godly enough. Um, but it's something that she wants and needs, so she does need to hear it. I don't lead with that. That's not all the time. I mean, she knows I love her. She hears that all the time. But that you're beautiful things, you know, that's a treasure thing that I want her to hear. Um, but also it's just not beauty, the outward adornment, all right, but it's her, the beauty of her character. I don't know if I made that clear enough too. But I want her to know that I think she's a knockout. All right, Maddie, you are beautiful. Um, but I want her to feel that, hear it from me, but not, I don't lead with that. It's not all the time. But also, it's not just when she's all dressed up too. You know, I think just letting her know that, you know, she doesn't have to put on appearances, you know, or, or put on appearances all the time to still be beautiful. Um, so I think that's really important. I don't know if I'm really answering that. There's a balance in there. You could go too far this way or not enough this way, but she needs to hear it because she wants to hear it, but it's not too much of it, I think. Any other questions? Yeah, and actually, if you email me, I'll be happy to send you this resource. I came up with, you know, a cell phone contract that both of our kids had to sign. It's the rules associated with having a cell phone. Um, and then I have all these guidelines, right? This is what it means. My, you know, the biggest thing I'm worried about is, just, you know, it's what they're going to see, what they're going to experience, what pictures of themselves are posting. I'm like, once it's out there, it's out there forever, all right? So we have guidelines for their protection. So I can send you all that. If you, if you email me, I'll send it to you. Um, but I can't remember now what time, when we allowed our kids to have cell phones, but they were convinced they were the last two kids on the planet to have them. But uh, we wanted to wait. We wanted to wait. We wanted to wait. You know, some dads I know are thinking, nope, they can have a phone, but it's not going to be a smartphone. Uh, you have a phone, you can communicate, but it's not going to be a smartphone. Um, or you, if you have a smartphone, then you're not going to have social media. You know, you have to decide those kind of things. But here's one thing that we undervalued, all right? Because we were late adopters to cell phones for our kids. I, again, I can't remember what grade. Maybe it was eighth grade. Honestly, I cannot remember. Eighth grade, I think, before we let our kids have a cell phone. By that point, all of Maddie's friends had already had them for years. And we're like, no, Maddie, you're going to wait. You're going to wait. You're going to wait. But what happens is all her friends, they're making plans via their cell phones. All right, Gone are the days where you call the landline to talk to the mom or the dad or to set up a schedule or whatever. So they're all making plans independent of their parents. They couldn't get a hold of Maddie. And no teenage girl was going to call me or, Ma or Kathleen to find out if Maddie could come hang out. So Maddie was starting to get left out. That was something that we never considered, never thought about. But that was, that was a hurtful thing for her. That was hard. All right, so this is something else to kind of keep in mind if you're going to wait until she's 21 before she gets a cell phone. Um, what was it called? Wait until eighth, eighth grade. Is that yeah. wait until eighth? Yeah. Okay. Great, great. Yep. Uh, what about the, what about the 
No, that's a great question about the friendship thing. And um, we do feel really lucky. We like our daughter's friend group. Um, but that's hard to manage. Like, that's where, like, the, the, the mom radar, the dad radar is on all the time because you're seeing. You know, it, when they're little, of course, you're picking the play dates. You're kind of making it happen. As they get older, they're making plans on their own. So you have a little less control. Um, but a lot of it relates to just answering really good, you know, asking questions about your daughter's friends. You know, who they are, where they live, what they do. What are you guys going to do for fun? Just asking, 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 asking. Then there's some direction you can give. You can provide some guidance. Or like, you know, Maddie, you're always talking about this one friend. It sounds like she hurts your feelings a lot. Is she really that good of a friend? Like maybe we should focus over here. You can't pick it. You can't control it. Um, we love it that she has great relationships here. This is a total plug for our youth ministry. Jeff has you know, built a wonderful culture here among our students where the, the really good friendships here, guys, girls, all together. I love that. So having a good church influence is great. We both directed our kids towards Young Life. Um, you know, Kathleen is a Young Life leader. I'm a Young Life leader. It started when our kids were in middle school. That has become part of their friend group too. You know, so they're involved in Young Life camps, you know, church camps, service projects. They're creating, they're, and they're becoming more like-minded you know, with their friends. So you have some degree of control, but um, too much, and that's the rebellion part. Like, you know, but we try to navigate that for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, that's great that you're thinking that way, first of all. Um, and I have, I have done that, honestly. And usually it's received well, but you approach it so delicately. And this is the language that I've used. It's like, you know, um, I'm around your, 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 your daughter a lot. I'm around you a lot. I see you guys interact. Um, I've just I've noticed a couple things. You know, this is something that I, I'm really striving to be a good dad, and I've made some mistakes with my daughter, and I'm seeing you do something that just I want you just to consider this, something to think about. Fill in the blank. I, I, the way that you're, I just see you're, you're so critical of your daughter's appearance, and there's just a lot of research out there that shows that that's really harmful. You know, it's very delicate, but I would applaud anyone who's willing to step into that realm to. to to, to, to point out something else about another dad. And that's part of, that's the whole iron sharpening iron thing. And not that we're always engaged with other believers, but I think that's super important. And I have been called out before. And yes, it stings. You know, I don't, no one wants to be called out. It stings for a minute. But then if I realize, wait, this is making me a better man, then it's worth it. If it's making me a better, better dad, it's worth it. So it's never from a, hey, dude, let me tell you how you're blowing it. It's like, I've been there. And it's this, this peer-to-peer, we're all in this fatherhood thing together. So take this with a grain of salt. Here's something I've noticed. I want to encourage you in this way or whatever. I hope that helps. But I, I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. No, learn from my mistakes. I think that's always a very safe, good way to broach those kind of subjects. I think that's good. All right, maybe one more. If there's one more. If not, I'm going to pray for us, and I'll be happy to stick around if there's any other questions. Any other questions? 
All right, guys, again, thank you for coming. I hope you found this encouraging and helpful. Uh, Let me pray. Father, thank you again for each and every one of the guys here. Thank you that we, um, you know, can look to you as our Heavenly Father, as someone who loves us so unconditionally and just be inspired by your love for us. And I pray that we would love our daughters in such a way with great wisdom and grace and compassion. Um, We are not perfect dads. We are going to blow it. We have blown it. So I ask that in our families there would be grace. Um, I pray that you would encourage us to keep our heads in the game, uh, to fight hard to be present, to fight for our daughters, to love our daughters, uh, to love them well. Uh, I pray for all the different areas of leadership to just inspire us to lead in such a way. Um, And I hope we could support one another in that too. Um, So Father, thank you. Um, Thank you for the the gift of our daughters. They are precious. Um, Help us to maximize that relationship, that we might give them wings. When they do leave our house, Father, they would just fly um, for life. Uh, We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.